Hey, this is Bob and the Don't Die Podcast, brought to you by Ohana Fest down in Dana Point, and brought to you by Live Nation, bringing you concerts all over the world. It all begins with getting off drugs, people. Let's go out and live life, get sober, get the right treatment for you, and stop dying. Stop dying, Chuck. That is our theme every week for years. And nobody's listening. Nobody. This kid who did Angus, the boy Angus. Hey, you know what? I just had an idea that if we change it to start dying, maybe they oh, we would, would be we would be more popular. <laughs> no, I just I got a call about a kid like I don't know, like two months ago, and then lo and behold, on my phone there pops his name that he passed away. It's so sad. It's just Dude. it's just like a it's just. It's like a tsunami of death and nobody cares. But Dude, hey, this hey, week, what are we? freaking Gator, Leonard, and Danielle in the last week. Ga- Gator, the skater guy? No, Gator, my Gator. Oh, yeah, no. Gator, the yeah. skater guy is out of prison, right? All He's people out. I worked with. They Oh, they were all clinicians, too, and they're dead? They, they weren't clinicians, but they worked in oh. they were behavioral health techs. Yeah, whatever. They were they worked in treatment. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so people that work in treatment, people that that you know have hit TV shows, people who nobody's ever heard of. It's just insane how much death there is and how it it's like you get used to the death, but you never get used to the fact that America doesn't care and nobody pays attention to it. We just want to know about, you know, Donald Trump's colonoscopy. It's just like the idiocracy what? of America. <laughs> the idiocracy of American <laughs> yeah. media is just like, I don't even watch it anymore. I, I hate to say it. I've become one of those people that never watches the news, never pays attention to it anymore. Good for because, you, Bob. Because all it does is, oh, two people on Twitter said that Elon Musk is calling his company X, and that's no good. And there's a band named X, and there was a TV show named X-Files. And let's get David <laughs> the company to talk about it. You know, it's just all celebrity <laughs> fucking shit Dude, nonsense. It's almost, it's almost like he took the X logo, too. <laughs> Ratings motivated news. Yeah, I know. Weird. But anyways, but the point being that the point being that a quarter million people have died in the last 24 months of drugs and not a peep in the media, not on KTLA News, not in the LA Times, not in the New York Times, not in the New Yorker, not anywhere. But Donald Trump's colonoscopy and Elon Musk changing the name of Twitter has gone viral around the world 20 times. It's just stupidity. So that's what bothers me is nobody cares that these 250,000 kids are dying. That bothers me. That irritates the fuck out of me. But it shouldn't because I know what an idiotic society we are. But let's talk about positive things. I noticed it said we're sponsored... (laughs) I said we're sponsored by Ohana Fest, and I saw an ad over the weekend that said Ohana Fest, and I remember October 1st, and I thought, holy shit, Um, October 1st is closing in. That's only like, you know, two months away. It seems like we were just there. on the storyteller stage, and they actually announced the whole lineup and everything. It looks really nice, dude. Well, I saw the pretenders are playing. That's all I want to see. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, I've got it pulled up. It's, it's September 29th is uh, the Killers and your favorite, Father John Misty and uh, uh, Frank kids, Moody, Japanese kids, Breakfast. Yeah, that's the kids my band, the band my kids want to see. I become obsessed with the pretender, with the Clash Pretender Interlooper song wise. I don't know if you guys are aware, 
but Mick Jones of The Clash and Chrissy Hind were boyfriend and girlfriend, long-term living boyfriend and girlfriend. And she was a struggling musician trying to get out on her own, and his band blows up, right? And so a lot of the songs that Mick Jones wrote were about her, and a lot of the songs she wrote were about him. And one oh, is, wow. should I stay or should I go, right? I think it's, uh, no, stand by me. So Mick Jones says, did you stand by me? No, not at all. Did you stand by me? No way. Right? Because she left him, right? (laughs) Then years later, she goes, she says, she writes a song called uh, Stand By, I I, I Stand By You. (laughs) Like, like as a a fuck you to him, I think. You know what I'm saying? Like, I got to get to the bottom of this Mick Jones, Chrissy Hine back and forth in song thing. Because maybe I went down a rabbit's hole that doesn't exist which is quite possible <laughs> but, well you know what let me call he chrissy and see what, see what i can find by out me, you didn't stand by me at all and she has a song called i'll stand by you doesn't she something like that yeah it's yeah well then nobody hurt you i'll stand by you yep. yeah See, he said, "No, you didn't. No, you didn't stand by me." <laughs> I think, I think her, I think her, her song was well after his. But I know, I think she wrote it, and then she thought, "Oh, what a funny thing! It's like a, par- you know, it's like an answer to his song." I didn't stand. You can, and here's the thing: it gets deep in psychoanalysis, Chuck. You can stand by somebody and not be in a relation, a love interest relationship with them. You certainly can. Mick is yep. being a little he's being a little teenage about what a what a standing by somebody is. <laughs> <laughs> that day is gonna be pretty dang good, man. That oh man, I love the pretenders. That's but, you know, fighters seen, and pretenders and ba- I saw the original pretenders. You know, the pretenders should be our poster child band. They lost 50% of their members to drugs. Yeah. I know that's right. I mean, early, early, early on. So, so Honeyman Scott, I think his name was the guitar player. James Honeyman Scott, yep. He died. Pete died first. Who did the the bass player? Bass player, yeah, yeah. They kicked him out for being a drug addict. Did they really? No, I saw them. I saw the original band at Santa Monica Civic right when the album came out. Poor guy. I know how he feels. Oh, this is a shout out for Elvis because Elvis, I rode in a car with Elvis and Elijah and all they must do is listen to this fucking podcast. I don't know the things I don't know the things I say, but then they come back to haunt me through those two. (laughs) So so today we're driving in the car and Elvis goes, Dad, who? Because there's an old picture of Anthony from like 84 and he looks pretty crazy. He's just drugged out and he has like a Native American headdress on, no shirt on, a skirt. He's wearing a skirt. I want everyone to know for all Mm -hmm. the, he was wearing skirts long before it was trendy. Um, So I sent Elvis a picture of it and he's like, that's Anthony. And I was like, yeah, like, like 1983, that's Anthony. And he goes, he looks crazy. And then he said, dad, who is the craziest person of that era? And without hesitation, Chuck, and then we went into deep conversation about it. Without hesitation, it's Mike Mark. Oh I said, God. I know, I know, I know uh, you don't uh, think. I know, Chuck, you've only known him as some AA guy from Long Beach. Trust me, <laughs> this guy... I remember Flea was going to, I asked Flea, uh, somehow we didn't have a bass player. 
And I said, will you fill in a couple of shows that John had support or something? And he said, hopefully he said was Mike Mart still. In the band? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you sure it wasn't the gunplay? It's, <laughs> it's fucking scary. And you know, you never know. And so I told Elvis a, a few of the stories about Mike trying to punch me and he punched himself in the head and knocked himself out. <laughs> <laughs> That's a blazing saddles move, Mike. Awesome, man. How about the only time that was because Mike was in it very early on, like 87, 88. The only time me and Pete really bonded, I remember I would walk into a, 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 I would walk into a dressing room and I could just look at Pete Weiss's face and he'd be like, you need to deal with Mike Mart. Yeah. Because because <laughs> I had gotten him in the band, Chuck. So I was to blame. Was your for him. responsibility. <laughs> you, you brought you brought him home. You feed him. <laughs> and then I would say to like I say to Louie, like you got to get him to eat something. So we'd be going on at like ten fifteen. It'd be like eight o'clock, and Mike is out of his mind, like Cherokee Nation drunk. <laughs> He's not Cherokee. Like. You know, like really drunk, and he's still got two more hours of Jägermeister <sighs> to go, right? Oh, and so I'd say, Louis, geez. get him something to eat, and then he would eat and talk and drink, and just like it had no effect. Yeah, you know boundaries, There's, Bob. And so I'm talking about you're talking about. <laughs> so um, Chuck, I want you to digest this, and I think Smitty knows. I, I think there are people that know. I get you're it. He was about, your Sid. You're talking he was totally about your Sid. You're talking, you're with Sid Vicious. You're talking about in a world of John Pichante, Flea and Anthony, and me, and Keith Morris. Mike Mart stands out head and shoulders above as the craziest oh person. God. That's fantastic. <laughs> oh, you, you don't remember, do you, Mike? I, I remember a lot. Yeah, I remember some. I remember <laughs> that I didn't like, you know, I was so skinny, and now I realize that the, re the reason I drank like grape wine and Manischewitz and stuff was to get actually some nutrition. <laughs> oh, really? Jesus. There you go. That's, that's good thinking. How about the there fact you. that he shows up for, we had, we had the monster van that we bought from X. It's the one that's in the X unheard music that Billy is customizing. We bought that from them. And so we meet at my house cause that's where it was parked around the corner. And we, and Mike pulls up on like a, a motorcycle that, it's like a cop motorcycle that you just can't imagine runs. And he goes, I'm going to ride along behind. Uh, like on tour. Mm -hmm. On tour. On tour. I, they, made me, they made me leave it at Bob's house and it sat at Bob's house for <laughs> a long time. He thought he was going to go on tour on a, on a like 30-year-old Triumph motorcycle with no license plate. And it had it had police stickers on it and it had uh, <laughs> it had two Genius. It was a, actually it was a Kawasaki 1000, the kind they used to ride. Oh, a real, a real so it was a cop bike. Yeah, so um so it was uh, a chip spike. Mm -hmm. But he was going to not ride in the van with us. He was going to ride it behind Chuck for no yeah. reason. So For they no made me reason. push it alongside Bob's house, and I had to leave it there. And I was really <laughs> concerned about it the whole fucking time. Well, that's smart. You guys would have collected all the bugs on the front of your van, and he would have had less insects in his teeth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're talking, you're talking, Mike Mart did not wear a motorcycle helmet, Chuck. Not <laughs> right. ever. Not until we had to. Why would you? Yeah.
People yeah. had to in 1988. You didn't have to ride a. You didn't no, have to ride no, a motorcycle. No, the law came around sometime. I can't remember, but uh, yeah, you didn't. He have did. To. He did have goggles. Cool old. Yeah, there you go. Goggles. I had one of those. Uh, you know those hats that in. Um, yeah, in, in the old, you know the, pilot the, the shit. Mike Lorman sort of style yeah. hat <laughs> with the goggles. That's what I had. Yeah, it was there a cool go. look. But and then he'd pull the goggles down around his neck, and he was just always cool. But but crazy, crazy. Like he quit. You quit a tour one time, right? A in Boston, times. the farthest yeah, yeah. point you can get in America from <laughs> Los Angeles. I realized that once I was standing on the corner with my guitar. And I told you guys to leave, and you're like, "No, come on, the signal. We're holding up traffic." I said, "Get the um, no, I'm leaving. I'm staying." Here. <laughs> and fine, Chris Hansel was trying to talk me into. And here's on, the thing: get on, I don't get on, know. Get on. So, so the Finally, band he just was, drove off. So the band right then was Dix, Chris, and you as the guitar players, or just you and Chris? Dix, Chris, and oh, and, so we did have yeah. Dix. Okay, yeah, that was that was a good tour. No, but I mean. Uh, we would even let you go if even only Chris was going to be the guitar player. <laughs> Me, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, Dix was there, and it was Rob Graves and uh, and uh, Keith Morris came along for the first part of the tour, but then he got sick of us and left. Matt Dyke was with us on that tour for some reason. At what point did Morty say like, "Hey, I can't do this anymore," and he just left? I can't remember. Well, he like he got to. You know, I think he stayed in New York at Ann Dagnella's house. He got to, he lived, he lived. The listeners know Morty's Keith. Is that clear to everybody? Because yeah, I didn't Keith, know that until you well, guys started Morris, talking to me. Well, Morty Mellencamp, too. He was our manager early on in like 1985. And, you know, everybody, I was obsessed with John Cougar Mellencamp. I don't, I don't think people realize. I used to get obsessed with real pop stuff, Chuck. I became obsessed with Madonna, just the song Borderline. I listened yeah, to that's it a good song. over and over again. Well, I made a cassette tape, but you know, like you could buy, yeah. <laughs> you could buy different length cassettes. I bought a 30 minute cassette and just had it on both sides. It just played round and round. And round. Oh, that's not like, annoying at all. Yeah. No. And so I played borderline and then I, I was obsessed with John Cougar Mellencamp. I used to cry when that, there's that line in that song. Mama said, you're going to be president, but just like everything else, those old crazy dreams just kind of came and went. Ain't that, Ain't that America? America, baby? I used to cry, used to get drunk and cry and listen to that song. So I convinced everyone to play, to change our name to Thelonious Monster Mellencamp. And and I won the <laughs> I, I I won the I won the vote. I don't know where Pete stood with that vote, but we actually played the whiskey as Thelonious Monster Mellencamp, and he came. <laughs> he came to the gig. Oh no! Oh, with a cease and desist. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think he was a good sport about it. He, yeah, I think he, he knew he knew I loved. I just loved John Cougar. I don't know why. You know, I just listened to her all the time. And then what was it? And uh. Boy George. I loved Boy George. So when everyone else is listening to Fugazi and shit, I'm listening to John Cougar Mellencamp, Madonna, and 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 uh, Karma Chameleon. <laughs> you should have been on tour with When in Rome or something. <laughs> I, it's just like, you know, I've never been a punk rocker, really. I, I hate to say it. A 60, uh, for 42 years, I've been posing as a punk rocker. I never really was one. Never. I don't think I've ever heard a bad religion record i don't I, like i've never had one and put it on a record player and played it 
I'm oh, not a punk rocker. Generator's a great record. So suffer. Well, that would explain well, your sort of aversion to the germs because the germs. Yeah, the germs. Work, I mean, I, you know, it's kind of. Yeah, it, you're, it you're lukewarm on them, and they were really the pioneers. In well, Switch. I just don't think that they're. You know, the way that some of these Frusciante or the people flee talk about them, it's just like they're the Rolling Stones or something. They made one album. It doesn't matter, man. You, you weren't. You didn't see shows where people were walking around with legs broken and. But remember, and Darby, somebody it also a, hold on, Chuck, and somebody would throw a fucking chair at Darby Crash, and he'd just grab it midair and just jump right into the crowd, like at the Fleetwood and stuff like that. I mean, and then the shows were just. A, I mean, that record changed my life. That record was like the Led Zeppelin of punk rock, man. Yeah, no, I liked it. I like Richie Dagger, Silton Swagger. I like the record, but I mean, it is one record. But so Elvis asked me also, we're going to see this desert trip thing coming up. Not that we're not promoting Ohana. Ohana Fest brought to you by Live Nation. For sure. <laughs> Fest, September 29th also, October 1st. There's also, there's also uh, the metal thing. So we're going to see Metallica. And Elvis asked me, when's the last time I saw Metallica? And I was like, God, I don't think I I saw them at the Fleetwood. They played at the Fleetwood. I'm I'm pretty sure. I I'm sure you can I'm sure that it's so historical. Chuck, can you Google? I'm sure that Metallica they 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 played the Fleetwood in Redondo Beach. Wasn't it in Redondo Beach? It was in Redondo Beach by the pier. Yeah, by the pier. Right. I'm telling you, I saw Metallica at the Fleetwood. Kind of try to look it up. Because they're from, isn't Lars from like yeah. Lawndale or something? There's, there's not anything that's obvious showing up. What's their earliest mm -hmm. shows in, in, in South Bay? First, first gig was at Radio City in Anaheim. <laughs> Whose was? <laughs> Metallica's first gig was at Radio City in Anaheim. Really? Huh. Yeah. And and then where are some other gigs? It wasn't Anaheim. It was like it was like in the South Bay. Like, aren't they from know. the South Bay or Metallica from the no, South Bay? No, I thought they were. I thought they were an OC thing. Uh, yeah, first I gig they were San Francisco, but what do I know? I know they they certainly live there now. I, I, it's not saying a lot. But then I realized I haven't seen them probably in thirty nine years. That's how long they've been around. When did they start? In eighty one. Los, uh, Los Angeles, California, by drummer Lars Ulrich and James Hetfield. They've been based in San Francisco since. Yeah, but, but no, they were what formed. year did they start? 81. Yeah. Think about that. They've been around for 42 years. That's a long time. Yeah. I still think of them as like young people, though, like younger than me. No, when I was in high school, <clears throat> like 82, 83, people were saying, if because I was taking silk screening, people were like, dude, can you make me Metallica shirts? Because Metallica shirts weren't available. The whole Leatherwolf crowd and all those guys wanted Metallica shirts. That's so funny. Well, there, was a, move, there was a move, like a combination, a, a, a punk rock move to like heavy metal, which was like DIY, right. the Dirty Rod, Nimbusols. And, and they lost me. Remember Swa? Wasn't there Swa or something? Yeah, and they were like, there was some metal stuff going on that was really fast and crossover super, shit. Yeah. Right. And it was, a lot of it was on SST. Uh, some of it, yeah. The first Soundgarden records on SST. Did you know that, Chuck? 
No, I did not know that. That's louder, louder than love. I think is on SST. So, anyways, mm. so so uh, shout out to Elvis and Elijah. They live. They listen separately, and then they discuss it. And um, oh, Elvis God. says that I say everything is the greatest band ever or the greatest song ever or the greatest <laughs> album ever. Well, you do have a lot of greatest. <laughs> That's a fact. <laughs> he's he's kind of correct. <laughs> really? Really? Yeah, you, you have a lot that? of best. You have a lot what? of best. The only band That's, that matters. It's always the, the clash. It's always the clash, isn't it? The Beatles, the Stones, the, the this, Boy George, Sammy Hagar. <laughs> Sammy Hagar. You know what? Dude, I I'm not I kidding. Read. Hey, come on. Montrose's first album is one of the greatest albums ever made. You oh, know what? I'll agree with you there. There's a there's a record I can say I've never listened to. You're I don't know. Oh my God. Are you I'm not, kidding me? Uh, no, I, I don't even I couldn't tell you one song off it. I can tell you every song on You guys it. know that I was gonna do a tribute to that album and do it in order and call it Martrose. I loved it so much. Martros. No, Martros. <laughs> uh, Rock the Nation's the first song, then Space Station, then Rock oh, Candy. Oh, Rock Rock candy. candy. Oh, my God. Oh, so great. Oh, well, let me tell you, I'm a little older than you, Chuck. It, it, when, it, when we all became aware, like in the late 80s, like 87, 88, 89, that we actually did like big rock bands, like and Chad Smith was one of the leaders of it. Like he was not ashamed that he loved Kiss and Led Zeppelin and whatever. And Flea would never admit to like, you know, liking things. It was always Fugazi and whatever. And and I I always loved Kiss, Led Zeppelin. I have a song about it. And then and then everybody started talking about mantras and fog hat and, and stars and the gods. And I had all these conversations with like the, the Motley Crue guys and with, with Chad and with different, and Tom Morello's a huge fan. And then rush like Dave Grawl loves rush. And people started talking about like, yeah, we still love rush. Not just because you like Fugazi doesn't mean you don't like rush. And, yeah, but and the gods played without pants and I thought they were cool, but I only know them from cream. You know, reading Cream Magazine, they were great. I, I know about some of those bands only from Cream. I saw the gods at the Starwood on the first cool. album, the first album thing. Anyways, so Montrose is, if you talk to any drummer, uh, Joe Escalante, the guy that Mike was talking about earlier, uh, the uh, Tommy Lee, Chad, uh, uh, Lars, any drummer, if you go, can you play Rock Candy? They go, Boom, boom, bath, boom, bath, boom, boom, bath, boom, It's one of the greatest drum intros of all time, Chuck. Of I all have to time. listen to it. One of the great, isn't it, Mike? Isn't the drum intro to Rock Candy? See, my favorite is the one you mentioned, Space Station. When it starts going, it's so great. It starts off, and he had this like. Yeah, it makes a sound. Yeah. He had this special guitar with a theremin built in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To the guitar. What? So it was this thing sticking out. And <laughs> it was like nobody had seen it anything like it before. It was still this weird thing. You can see it on, on YouTube. And then the, <laughs> so when the song starts, it just goes over the top. It's one so of I saw them ever. on either Don Kirshner's or Bert Sugarman's Midnight Special or whatever. And they were introed like this. Some are saying. The next band is a, 
America's Led Zeppelin. That's what they were referred to. That was the PR thing. America's Led Zeppelin. Except, yeah, not very Chuck, nice. no one ever heard them, and their record didn't sell 30,000 copies. Other than that, other than no one ever heard them, and they didn't sell any records, they were America's Led Zeppelin. Mm. Danny yeah. Carmesi. I can name all the members. Danny Carmesi is the drummer. Bill Church is the <laughs> bass player. Ronnie but Montrose and Sammy Hagar. One of the greatest. I, I'm just going to say it again. America's Led Zeppelin. See, but that's also <laughs> it's also at that time it caught you in the right age group where that it music just cements itself. In the right anybody that's heard it loves it. It's uh, one uh, of the hey. greatest albums ever made. Uh, How I'll many let times you know Mike what I think. and I agree on something? Me and Mike never agree. Oh, that's man. true, but we that's agree on that's, Montrose. Hey, you know who? <laughs> hey, you know who hates Montrose? Who? Johnny Angel. Hate. Oh, See, how, but how do you hate it? See, I'm not a fan of Led Zeppelin, but I don't hate it. Uh, he hates well, it. it just was, doesn't resonate. Yeah, me. it came out, I think it's 73 or 74, and it has one line where uh, Sammy Hager sings, well, I gave it a chance and it shook back in my face, meaning it shifted. Better, the the yeah, situation oh, shifted oh. back in his face, but he says it like shit. And I'm like 13. I'm like <laughs> listening to it with headphones. Like he's, See? he's saying shit. It caught he's you at the right shit time. Back in my, <laughs> I gave it a chance and it shit back in my face. <laughs> I don't want it. Take it away, away. Oh, I'm I, I don't need it. Ugh. I'm going to listen oh, to it. It's, it's like up there with, with like Sergeant Pepper. It's one of the greatest <laughs> songs ever made. Wait, now, now Montrose is the greatest. <laughs> Fuck <laughs> the Beatles, the Stones. Oh, uh, <laughs> get on your bad motor scooter and ride. And ride, all right, all right. See, all right, bad motors. Right. Get on your bad motor scooter. Bad That's motor scooter. Silly. Yeah. Well, I, oh, it is silly. The lyrics are: If you get lonely on your daddy's farm, just remember I don't live too far. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny that you can listen to like Montrose, but then you can go back and listen, you know, that we can listen to side by side. You can listen to Red Tape, uh, Nervous Breakdown, and then Montrose. And then, oh, and then yeah, the I, just, uh, I mean, I love that. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's amazing. So anyway, so I'm going to be at the metal thing. I, I, it's sad that Montrose can't be playing. Ronnie Montrose passed away quite a while ago, actually. Yeah. And then Sammy, Sammy does do some of the first Montrose he album does. songs. Yeah, he does. Does it. he still have a voice? Yeah, oh, sure. Got a great I voice. saw him. I, he? saw I haven't him heard that. him in I haven't heard him in thirty years. Do you, do you not know the story? So I became friends with him. He invited me to come to a show at this casino to see Chickenfoot, and I and I walk in, and he's all nice to me, and. I hugged him and he, he had a glass of wine and he spilled it on his white stage <laughs> pants. I bumped nice. into his red wine that spilled on his white pants. Yeah. Couldn't have been nicer. He goes, I've got another pair. Don't worry about it. And oh, I'm like, I'm my. so sorry, dude. I'm so sorry. I red know. wine on his white pants 20 minutes before he's going on. Bob, who wears <laughs> white pants nowadays? You remember when we used to wear white pants back in high school, which was fucking 100 years ago? He's the red rocker, The red rockers used to red wear white pants. Wears yeah. Yeah. So, so, so anyways, I'm just, I was a fan of him because of Montrose. And then, and then it just took on a life of its own with the song. Yeah. I don't know you if know, people the, know. The, you know, you always thought I was making fun of him. 
<laughs> like the, the yeah, story of Sammy Hagar weekend is very <laughs> yeah. deep. So, so it comes out and then apparently, you know, cause I care what Sammy Hagar thinks. I love Sammy Hagar. And I heard through the grapevine, through the record company, like, yeah, he, he hates the song. And I was like, ah, oh, shit. Oh, you yeah. know? And so then, then Eddie, Eddie Van Halen, I'm not trying to name drop. I know Pete Weiss just heard me say Eddie Van Halen. So Eddie Van Halen was an acquaintance <laughs> of mine. And he told me that when Sammy acts like a rock star, he's late, that they play Sammy Hagar weekend when he walks in and, and Michael Anthony sings it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great oh my nice. god how he double hates me like people are making fun of him haunting him with it so chad <laughs> so chad smith gets in a band with him and and straightens him out he goes you know one of my good friends wrote that song sammy Hager weekend he goes yeah i hate that song i'll punch that guy in the face if i ever see him that's what he said and then you and spill wine a, on his pants <laughs> so chad said, no, 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 you don't understand. And he, and Chad knew the story that I wrote it sincerely. Like, I love Sammy Hagar. I went to see him play. It was a Sammy Hagar weekend. And and it was supposed to be sincere. Like, it was a sincere song. It was supposed to be like The Replacements, right? But it got misinterpreted as me being clever and cynical and making fun of. And I really wasn't. Actually, everything in the song, me and my friends did that weekend. We drank, drank some beer, smoked some pot, snorted coke. <laughs> See, pe people thought you, people thought you were clever, Bob. <laughs> and it was, and it was at Anaheim <laughs> Stadium. Stadium. It was at Anaheim Stadium. In and the you had a little baby lot. mustache. Yeah, no, Rick Solis did. My friend had oh. that. He had it. I couldn't. I couldn't grow a mustache oh, still to this man. day. Rick probably. Solis. I haven't heard his name in yeah. a long time. So, so Rick had a baby mustache. And, um, and we were there and, you know, you had to wait outside in the parking lot and then they open the gate and then you go running and you might get trampled to death, like in Cincinnati or something. And, uh, and <laughs> it was, and it was Sammy Hagar, Van Halen, Black Sabbath with Ozzy and Boston. That was, Boston was the headliner over Black Sabbath. Like, well, they had crazy. number one records. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I was, at, I was at that concert. And so years later, I wrote this really warm kind of thing about, you know, like rite of passage and kids and concerts and whatever. It was sincere. So Chad tells him, you know, it's a sincere song. I guess Sammy Hager listened to it again and thought, maybe it is. Yeah, I can see that. Maybe it is sincere. So then I got invited to go to their chicken foot concert. And I walk in and I'm like, he's not going to punch me, is he? And Chad's like, no, he's not going to punch you. And he comes walking towards me like he's, and he put his fist out because he used to be a boxer and he was like, he was going to hit me. And then he wrapped his arm around me, started singing Sammy Hagar Weekend. And one spilled. of the greatest moments. <laughs> what of my what a life. beautiful moment. <laughs> and then, and then he would invite me, he said, you got to come down to Cabo and we'll fucking do Sammy Hagar Weekend at. At Cabo Wabo, man. And I was just like waiting for the call. And I was like, am I going down there? When am I going down there? <laughs> <laughs> that was a show business invite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, it was so cool and fun. And, and uh, you know, it's good there. But it, but I'm not that clever. Like, you know, and, and songwriters, aren't, <laughs> songwriters aren't that clever, dude. We're not. <laughs> We're just writing about what we think and know. And then you realize, wow, that was clever. So I'm with Anthony one day and we're talking about how people write these recovery songs and they're not very good. And I said, <laughs> I said, dude, 
I, you know, you wrote probably the greatest recovery song ever. And he goes, what are you talking about? And I was like, you know, give it away. It is a great message. It's about, you know, giving it sober and whatever. And he goes, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And he, I remember he just said, I didn't have any intention of that. No, but I left like, a meeting just, and had an idea for a song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the original well, chorus was, it keep coming like, back, I'm keep gonna, coming I'm back, keep coming an, back, y'all. Yeah, I'm not going to have an AA message in a song. I was like, <laughs> and, he, and he really didn't want, I know, because I know that feeling. I'm like, oh, my God. I didn't do that on purpose. <laughs> All right. And I wonder, you know, if other songwriters real like have that. Like I you didn't really intend to be clever. I couldn't have been I couldn't have written that Sammy Hager weekend song if I was trying to be clever. It would be too sarcastic. It's a sincere you know, song. I know and that. I believe that it was sincere and I believe that we started making fun of you about it and stuff and you kind of pulled back a little bit. Yeah, yeah, maybe that too. Yeah, everybody made fun of it, and so I just went along for the ride of it. Yeah, but I think you had sincere intentions. Yeah, I love I love Sammy Hagar, and I had fun that weekend, Chuck. I was just writing a song about what we did that weekend. <laughs> and that's you know I gotta I gotta go back to I gotta revisit this. I remember uh, Chrissy Hind talking to Jonesy about how they kicked Pete Farndon out of the band for doing heroin. And then John Honey, uh, James Honeyman Scott died of a cocaine overdose, and then the next year Pete Farndon died. I'm pretty sure that's the that's the get down because she was like, I couldn't believe it. That 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 band was so freaking good. They've continued. So that those, that album, those first that two album, records are freaking well, amazing. The first, the first album, greatest hits. They're like the greatest first, hits records. First album, but when you listen to it. The band is so tight. That drummer Martin or whatever, so Martin, good. The, Martin Chambers and, 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 and James Honeyman Try to figure out the stuff he plays. I mean, sit down and try to do what James Honeyman. Just do the do the lead from Kid. It is freaking amazing. Oh, Kid, my only kid. Yeah, I mean, you know, and then I find out later on that that that's what Johnny Moore used to play every pre-show for the Smiths. He'd play Kid and to to warm up before the show. And when yeah. you listen to the Smiths and the Pretenders, there's a lot of James Honeyman Scott's uh, guitar playing in the Smith stuff. Kid, my only kid. Well, so me good. and Mike, me and Mike used to do coke with the guy who replaced him, Billy Billy Bremner. Yeah, Remember Billy, Billy Bremner? Uh, Billy. So this this guy, this great English. wasn't he in Rockpile? He was in Rockpile, right? Yeah, English guy. Yeah, he's an English guy. Yeah, he was well. Dave Edmonds was it was a band. There was like right. I think Nick. I think Nick Lowe. Nick Lowe was and the funny yeah, thing yeah. about it is he would hang out at Raji's and shit. Yeah, no, yeah, a cafe too. And the cafe and, and Billy Bremner. He's one of the first. He called. He's one of the first person I ever heard say, um, "Do you want a bip? A bip? A bip means <laughs> you want a bip? Just a bip? A little bit uh, instead bip, of a bump. A little he bip said bip coke. He said bip." And so, oh, you like a bit then? You like a bit then? With the guy from fucking Rockpile, sure. And then he got in the Pretenders. I think yeah. he's, I think he's the next guitar player. I think he's uh, the one that. What's his name? Billy Bremner. Oh, let me look this stuff up. Let me get on. There. Yeah, no, the Pretenders are the best band playing. Not, not to, not to discount any of the other great bands that are playing no. a fast. I, I but, think Dave Grohl would agree with you. I would think that uh, that that he 
I mean, everybody, I mean, even Eddie Vedder listened to Pretenders before he had a band. I'm well, sure here's the thing about the Pretenders. There's certain things that you just have to be on stage for, or you have to be somewhere to see it up close, right? Like, I'm not like that about, I like walking around Ohana and just walking around in the back down by the beach. You can still hear the band and see everything. Oh, it's great. But there's certain bands, like when Josh and Eddie and, and, um, and, and, the the kid di did the solo band. I wanted to be on stage to see how they looked at each other and how they communicated. You know, um, the odd thing about it is Sophia, my daughter, who's really into concerts, right? And I always got her like up and close and on stage and everything like that. And she's like, no, I don't want to do that. I want to go out front and see what's going on. Yeah, she yeah. Gets right, she gets pushes right up into the you know where the just where the pit is and where it's almost dangerous yeah i'm too young for that like i told you i'm not punk rock i just walk <laughs> around but there's certain bands know, you don't want to see about the kids, there's though. certain bands you don't want to be too close you don't want to be on stage like say for the beach boys you just don't need to you don't need to be on the stage for that no right so um anyways on fest gonna be fun the yeah, metal I'm shows. Of, you know, I'm kind of curious about watching the chicks, which were the Dixie chicks, which have completely changed. And I, uh, I like that girl. Boy, that was the beginning of that's you can't be say really anything. Fun that day. That Natalie, her chicks. name's Natalie, I think. She's right. the one that said she hated Bush or something, and she got. I canceled. think she said yeah. somewhere a, a town in Texas is missing an idiot, or a village is missing an idiot, or something <laughs> yeah, like that. And that was all she said. And she which got was very clever, dude. And she got canceled. <laughs> she might be the. She might be the the you know the 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 uh, original the the whatever the Big Bang of cancellation. Imagine, imagine going up against your whole constituency. You know that wasn't mean? before Sinead. Sinead got oh, Sinead got, Sinead canceled. got canceled oh, before God. that. So it's a little late. It's been like ten days or whatever. I was talking to my ex-wife, Sosie Hublet. She was as affected as me. We're kind of big, huge Sinead fans. I I cried off and on for like a day, and I listened to Sinead over and over again. Morrissey had a great thing. Did you read what he said? Yeah, he did. Oh, like, that, oh, you that was people. huge. He didn't give a fuck about her at all. Yeah. Um, what I was shocked by, and so I, I got my bearings back, but I, I, you know, if you listen to the Bicycle Thief record, a lot of those songs are this are kind of ripoffs of her song, Black Boys on Mopeds, or This Is the Last Day of Our Acquaintance. There's two songs that's basically, I just ripped her off. And, um, and she, you know, she was gracious. She didn't come after me, but, uh, but she's just that she's just a true artist. She's just like, she went against everything and she, she fucking stood up for what was right. And then it wasn't recently, it was like 15 years ago that we realized what she said about the Catholic church was true. Mm -hmm. Why did the, why did the movement, this is the interesting thing. Why did the movement of holding the Catholic Church accountable for their sexual molestation of children, why did they not go to Sinead and kind of embrace her and praise her and rise her up? Why didn't they do that? I don't, the, I don't know. I don't know that they the could at that point. They because... all the glory for themselves. Somebody should have said, Sinead O'Connor sacrificed her career for what turned out to be true. Yeah. Oh, right? and she she repeated many times not regretting it, and that's 
That's the balls. And we, you know, I think we talked about her on this uh, a couple weeks before she took her life, which is what I'm assuming happened because there's no investigation or whatever. And, but, you know, and we don't, we didn't talk shit. Uh, it's what I know is that you, you know, you've talked about her and we've never talked down about people like that. And I think that's important because a lot of people, they took offense at the act and didn't understand the message. And that was the beginning of knee jerk America. And that is the problem is no one looked at the reasoning behind the same way they got upset over the kneeling when they didn't look at the reasoning behind. I mean, people are so it, we've been conditioned now for what 30 years to just have knee jerk reactions and then not apologize when we're found to be wrong. And I think that's, that's oh, yeah. why nobody, we get caught went, up. nobody I'm just, I just, nobody went back to her and said, Oh my God, you like, you, you were right. Anyways, she was a righteous. Were you woman. watching that Saturday night live? When she yeah, was I was, I was yeah, watching they, it. They just went right to commercial. They just did. They cut it. She walked right towards the camera too, Chuck. You're kind of startled because yeah. you didn't know what she was going to do. She went right. Nobody had done that. And, it, and, uh, you know, like what? I thought she was going to headbutt the camera. That's how punk rock she was. She was, uh, like, you know, and, and that's why I was unmoved by Pelosi's tearing up of the speech that everybody thought was such a big deal. I thought, man, that's a half-ass act compared to what we've seen. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know it's just like everybody thought that was huge. That was fucking. That was a, a dull imitation. Anyways, it's just so sad. And she's, you know, the autopsy came out on on um, on. Presley also, you know, you're talking about two mothers who lost their children mm. and then they lost themselves. I think, I think that must be, if you're an addict, if you have mental health issues, that's a bridge too far to survive. Sinead, I guess, talked about it the last year that, that she, it's a wound that won't close and she can't get over it and stuff. So I think it was losing her 17 year old son. Same thing with, um, I'm going blank with Presley. She had lost Lisa Marie. Lisa oh, Marie. No. Well, Lisa Marie went, right? And so Priscilla. No, but Lisa, uh, Lisa Marie's Marie son, lost her kid. Lisa yeah. Marie lost her son to suicide also. Right. And, and then they both passed within the year. That's kind of, mm -hmm. so I think that, you know, I'm not saying, I, I think I'm seeing a pattern that, if you have if you have mental health issues and and this is what I really wanted to talk about, and so I've been dealing very personally with mental health and addiction problems, right? And where the two coalesce, what is does the chicken or the egg? Does the drugs cause the mental illness? Does the mental illness get exacerbated by the drugs? Are they two separate things? Yes, and, <laughs> and yes, <to> all those. <laughs> no, but there, you have to look for a pattern. You don't just get bipolar disorder at 37 years old. You don't, right? No, so if right. you're starting to have signs and symptoms of bipolar disorder at 37 and you're using drugs, you've right, got right. to start connecting the dots. But what I've been told by some people uh, that I really respect is you had to have some sort of seeds there, right? Because <clears throat> now uh, this very close person to me is having manic episodes unrelated to drugs. So something about drugs had triggered it but right. now the so, manic episodes continue so you know, wait, let me let me get this straight so you're saying like a genetic predisposition and then there was, exacerbated yeah, but, but it but but it wasn't so pronounced right correct yeah. right so everyone doesn't understand about mental illness 
you can be profoundly mentally ill. Like just think of scale of one to a hundred, a continuum of, of illness, right? So you can be, you know, 33% bipolar and it's not going to really affect you that much. You're going to have some insomnia. No, you're just fun. Uh, yeah. You're yeah. It might fun. be just fun. Right. Right. <laughs> but if you're, and, and, but if you then use multiplicity of drugs, it can trigger that 33% to be 66%. We understand. And the intensity and duration yeah. of the, of the events uh, are, are very dramatic and demonic. Right, yeah. Right. right. And so I've seen it up close and it's, it's just interesting. I'm just really interested because I don't think anybody does. Everybody says they understand dual diagnosis. I don't think anybody does. It's really you, you as the person who has it has to figure it out. Like what works, what doesn't work, what really is true. What's bullshit. You're just using as as a reason to f act more psych i i you know i worked in a psych hospital and interestingly drug addicts love acting like psych patients and psych patients love acting like drug addicts right me and nobody nobody wants to be what they are they don't want to be labeled what they are here's elvis he's he's saying hi You'll listen soon. It'll download soon. What? Bob, so you so <laughs> so you've seen a lot of drug addicts go into the psych ward, you know, thinking they're going to get better treatment or something, and then when they get yeah, yeah. there, they go, "Oh, I'm not crazy. Let me out of here." <laughs> right, right, <laughs> right. Uh, sorry, these people are crazy. I'm not. I don't know what they're missing. That's it, the bin is comfortable. But then, in order to accommodate this new frontier of, you know, everybody on Earth is dual diagnosis now. You can't just be a drug addict. Um, you have to have underlying issues, or, you know, to call drug addiction substance use disorder is like the crazy. What? 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 <laughs> I still, you know. I, when I'm dealing, interfacing with, uh, with, uh, say, social work, I use substance use disorder very seriously. Well, you're talking about substance use disorder, blah, 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 blah. Like, that's a real thing. No, you're a fucking drug addict. That's nothing to do with using substances orderly or disorderly. You mean you they know, don't abbreviate it SUD? No. You know, sometimes when I'm writing notes, I'll say, <laughs> They've ex been experiencing these as a result of their SUD, yes. <laughs> but here's the thing. So I was trained that in order to really be diagnosed with a mental illness, you have to be a year sober <clears throat> and then start observing, right? Because it'll take a year. Because they usually, especially with bipolar disorder, bipolar 2, you have to see how many times the person cycles in a year right? Cycling for everyone at home that doesn't understand. It's when you can't sleep, you're thinking a mile a minute, euphoria, blah, 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 blah. And it just goes on for usually two to three days. Cycling Sometimes. is an up and down type of thing? Uh, no, yeah. just all it's up. A manic, all it's a manic up. phase. This oh. is all up. And that's and where great artists a, get some of their inspiration. And then it's a big I crash, think. right? But bipolar... Truly bipolar is what I have. Like I, I don't manic up very much. Everybody says I do. Like not really. I'm depression, major depression, right? So bipolar disorder was sometimes they get a little unrealistic with reality, right? So it, well, the um, manic phase reality doesn't play a big part. Yeah, reality's not. It's not entrenched in reality. So, so I have a question. What do they call it when people are talking to other people and they're answering, they're hearing voices? 
that's well, that's schizoaffective. Yeah, schizoaffective schizophrenia. But but you can also be so manicky, you start to hear voices or think people are outside. And I all thought schizophrenia was different personalities. No, that's multiple that's, personality. That's disorder. actually dissociative identity disorder. It, it, it hasn't been multiple personalities for a long oh, okay. time, but disassociative oh. identity disorder, DID. So, but everybody has a little hodgepodge of everything, right? So when you're up for three days and you're going, going, going and thinking everybody's against you and there's meaning to everything and whatever, um, you can start to hallucinate and hear voices. Which, which right? looks a lot like a meth-induced psychosis. Right. Mm, yeah. And yeah. so... So I just don't think anybody does it well. And, and I don't think anybody's going to sit around and be sober for a year to, to start being uh, assessed at that point, right? I think Dr. Drew and the, the kind of message that psych was before, like that's unrealistic. You got to figure it out. So I came up with a thing long time ago. Just, you know, the act as if in AA? Yeah. Right? Medicate as if. Let's medicate you as if you're bipolar too, right? Let's medicate you as if you're not the, the psychosis and the hallucinations and the manic behavior is not being caused by your drug use. It's just, it's actually its own separate thing. So let's just medicate you as if you are bipolar. And well, then, and then treating watch symptoms. Though, right. But watch what happens when you do that on people that are meth psychosis, the, the medication doesn't work right? They still have manic episodes, no matter how much you up the Depakote or how much you... So then you rule deal. out that drug. Yeah, you, rule out, you rule out bipolar disorder, I think. But no one will, will claim that that's a real science, but I think that's... You, uh, you understand what I'm saying? I, like, I, right? I, I, use, I use rule outs a lot because it, it, if, it, if it's meth-induced psychosis, for, for that very reason. But then again, like what you were saying... I don't know. Not a therapist, not a psychiatrist, not a psychologist. Haven't studied that stuff. And to tell you the truth, I don't think anybody understands it as much as they should. I think there are a lot of people that speak to it. I like what you're saying is an honest observation, your experience with what you've seen. And, and that's all I have too. But I put rollouts on a lot of things because I don't well, like people being you. saddled so with I've, a diagnosis. I've worked with a lot of doctors and they, and the reason why I feel like I can talk about it is, they, in their more honest moments, will say, yeah, I'm just like going by my gut, really. I'm just, you know, th there was a, a joke we had at Lost and Seen. It's like, give them this, give them that, and give them a splash of, of Seroquel. A splash of Seroquel, like, like it's like, whatever. Yeah. Give, them, give them 50 milligrams of Seroquel and see what that does. Like it's vermouth it's all and like, a martini. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like, it's like just, it's just like a dart. It's shooting darts, really. You're just trying to. <laughs> The and then you see, this, yeah. Then that. you see what. Then you see if it, if then it works. You see if what the symptoms happens. don't change exactly, or they get worse. I'm telling you, but everybody thinks it's some science. It's really not. It's just kind of trial and error. Oh, we we know that. We know that it. That I don't it is think a lot public, of hit and miss. I don't think the public knows that. I think they really think that if you have bipolar, you take 150 milligrams of Depakote and you take 50 milligrams of Seroquel, and that takes care of it. I oh, really think no. that people think wow. that. You don't think they yeah. do? Do they subscribe well, lithium anymore? Because I know somebody that's been on yeah, some, 30 yeah. some years. Some people do, but you have to have the lab tests all the time. People don't like that. Let me tell you another thing that's, that uh, is 
I, it's kind of related to this, is when people have like lifelong histories of mental illness and they suffer because of it, they want to be cured of it. But if they're dual diagnosis, which is a majority of people nowadays, they also use Ill illicit substances, cocaine, heroin, meth, whatever. They play one side against the other, right? Like, oh, it's just I the think drugs they can do that unwittingly, too. I think they, I, do, I it think they do do it unwittingly. They, they believe it themselves that, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm not really bipolar. Yeah, like, uh, well, you, because I always look at what age the person had the diagnosis from. If it's like bipolar diagnosis at 21, you can bet that's probably been, it was researched. Yeah. yeah. But, but I mean, it's, it was probably quantified, right? Yeah. And then they're, they're 35 saying, yeah, I'm not really, really bipolar and they don't want to take their meds because the meds, the meds do. Here's the bad part of Mike. You're so lucky you don't have bipolar disorder because <laughs> the meds. The meds make you kind of sleepy and tired and you yep. lose your libido. Oh, you can't get the old, uh, the old crankshaft. Crank. Very bothersome. Well, yeah, and that's 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 the mental health thing is that they, they may take away the, the manic phase or the heavily depressed phase, but it puts them in such a state of like zombie existence that they don't dig that either and they'd rather be manic yeah because at least it feels like life so can't you do like a combination like a speedball type of mix thing you know to use some sayalas and some try we try <laughs> splash it but the same way um, <laughs> different people's uh genetic makeup and biology make different things work differently on them not every not every human has the same reaction to the same no drugs. they so don't and that's why good doctors zero in so I had this friend of mine that was a great uh, uh, piano player guy, and he was schizoid, kind of. He would manic up and then become kind of schizoid, like what you were talking about, Mike. He'd hear voices and whatever. And so they were always giving him like eight different meds. And I was working with him, and I actually got him a job at La Poubelle. He was the piano player at La Poubelle in Franklin. Uh, and he, um, he said, you know, the only drug that really works for me is um, Seroquel. I like Seroquel. I, I, and he was taking, Chucky Ray for this, he was taking like 350 milligrams of Seroquel. Oh my God. And he not was, during the day. And he, yes, and he was out working and he was fine. He did oh, something see, Mike, with brain We use chemistry. that as a sleep med for a lot yeah, of people. Yeah, Quietopy, no, we use as a sleep med. This guy was so crazy. It just made him normally go out and eat and go to work and stuff like that. But then they would want him to take all these other drugs that made him asexual and made him hungry all the time and get overweight and all this kind of stuff. And he finally just said, fuck it. I'm just going to take Seroquel PRN. He would just take it like as a needed. Yeah. <laughs> as needed. Yep. And, and he would get Seroquel. He'd get bottles like that are like, you know, vitamin C <laughs> bottles of it. He'd just be, yeah. he just, he just have a couple in his pocket. <laughs> Good for him. But he found something that, that worked and he was and able to worked, get through his day was, effectively. And he was yeah. high, he was really good functioning. And then he met a gal, of course, and it all went to hell. But, you know, that'll happen. So women are the downfall of all men? Well, every time. Oh, no, and men are the downfall of all <laughs> of <everything>. women. So, <laughs> like, just dude, that's that's another dude. I forgot the other guy. A guy at my Sunday morning meeting was new in AA. Met a girl. They fell in love. She fell out of love with him, and he hung himself with an electrical cord. 
Hey, with the sober no, living he house. hardly knew. Hey, you know, yes. that's a good Wait, Mike, I got to zero in on this. For a girl he just met? Yeah, I think they had like, uh, I don't know, about a month together. He was still oh in the first 90 God. days of sober sobriety. Oh, my God. What is wrong yeah, with people? You know, and, good for him. And, and also, he chose the right method, too. With an electrical cord, it really does send a message home. Is there, yeah, a, is there, is there a difference? You know, like, yeah. The difference? Tell me that doesn't really send the, you know. You know, twenty years old, man. It's just like didn't get a chance oh to really God. see or I do anything. Anything. God, so I wish now, I would have met him. I would have. You know what? I was, I've said it to several guys. He goes because uh, I have to. You know, suicide kind of idea. You know, I've had many attempts and thoughts of suicide. And I remember I was going through a really bad patch at some point, like ninety-one or something, over some relationship, and I was really serious. And I was going around saying I'm going to kill myself, and you know. It was just really kind of pathetic and whatever. And then I was telling the story when I was sober, like in 98 or 99, and I couldn't remember the girl's name that I was going to kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> Attaboy. Yeah, she, she was the I one. Wish, I wish <laughs> I could have told that boy In your memory, you can, you can visualize the sex, but you can't remember her name. <laughs> I, I, I can remember wanting to one. kill myself. I can remember the pain I felt from her leaving me for some other guy, but I couldn't <laughs> remember who it was. Well, you like, see, and that I was would, and Chuck, that was only six or seven years later. It's not like I was old and senile like I am now. I couldn't remember <laughs> seven years later who I was gonna kill myself over. That's <laughs> and, sad, you're, uh, and you're surprised he killed himself <laughs> over a one month relationship. Yeah, know? that's well, I wish I could have told him that story because I have told several uh people that both boys and girls i've said you know i know you're bummed out and i know it seems like the end of the world but let me tell you a story <laughs> <laughs> sit down uncle bobby's got something to tell you <laughs> yeah I, gotta tell you, I was gonna kill myself for like two months i think i did attempt it some you know kind of not fully thought out way and i and then when i was saying i wasn't even saying i'm glad i didn't do it i was just saying kind of how inept I did it. And then when I, they, I think the person I was telling the story to said, who was that? Cause they knew a lot of my exes. And I was like, uh, who was that? <laughs> oh shit. You know, that's, <clears throat> you know, that's funny. You bring that up. Cause oh, I don't know the last time you did a Columbia suicide screening, but on the Columbia suicide screening, it actually has a whole section asking the questions. Did you ever, was it ever called a suicide attempt when you actually didn't mean to, but were looking for attention? There's oh, a whole section with that starts like that, and it goes further on to the self harm. Well, even was it self harming for wait attention? Okay, <laughs> let's let's run me through it because I always did it for attention, but there were a couple times where I the attention I wanted was post death. You know, I I wanted. Well, that's you know, different. I, I imagined the funeral and like, you know, who's going to be there and what they're going to say. And I wrote a uh, bunch of letters. <laughs> I still have them. And I kept them because they embarrassed me. And I want to remember being embarrassed about them. I wrote like mm. letters to everybody. By the time I wrote all the letters, I was just exhausted and didn't kill myself. Is how Good. this story so, see, <laughs> End the paper. Saved your life. <laughs> Once I, again. <laughs> I, I Like I wrote everybody. I wrote people's kids. Like I, I don't even know. I just was sitting around in a motel just uh, 
I think I wrote like 30 letters to different people. That's great therapy. Do you you don't even realize you therapied yourself right out of it. Did I? Writing suicide notes to everyone? Yeah, it it caused you to think about it and the the repercussions on and got you out of self enough that you were thinking of other people. That is well maybe. Well done. Well done. Is that the trick of it? I was embarrassed that I had the letters for a long time. They popped up. I had them in a briefcase where I keep a lot of my lyric ideas. And then I was pulling lyrics out and I was like, oh shit, well, how did these get in here? What the hell is this? Mm. And I was kind of embarrassed by them. And then slowly th- as I got more and more sober, I was like, I wrote, I actually sat at a motel and wrote these letters, suicide letters to everyone I know. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, but, you see, hey, but yeah. see, like, even like, I know we all go through rough times and I know you've been in a rough time, but I've always looked, the clinician in me is always looking for future focused thoughts. The clinician in me is always looking for uh, barriers between, like kids. Like these are things I want to do. I want to do this. I want to do that. Someone who's who's truly in a suicidal state doesn't have plans or things they're looking forward to. Oh, I you always know? think there. I we started noticing, like in the at two, least that's what I'm in told. The, in the late two thousands, like there was. Uh, they were called uh, whatever it was called, like where people just do it. They had no real plan that like they just all of a sudden right. got a little down for a couple hours and then just killed themselves. Like no warning signs from before, no history. They, uh, it was called something like sudden and dramatic hmm. suicide or the automated yeah. suicide or something. Right. Or, I think that's like uh, what this kid did where yeah, it wasn't like, there wasn't talking the about it. It was just one of those things that just happened. And, um, it's it's so it just I feel like people are just getting so ripped off, and I think dope and booze has a lot to do with people getting into that state of mind. Oh yeah, right. You know, depression, so depression. Your brain not working right. So that's right. really what what. And so David Foster Wallace, a big I, I, he's an idol of mine. Uh, he I idolize him, and he he used to talk a lot about what to think about. So you have the choice of what to think about. He was also a big AA guy, but he was a college professor. He ended up killing himself. But and it was about depression, how you can you can just not allow your brain to go there. You cannot allow your fo- mind's focus to go there. And and to train your mind, train yourself what to think about. And I've always thought that. Like, and the easiest way for AA people is think about other people. Like we do that right. all the time. Like be you of know, service, save be your of ass. service, or whatever. But even just to be honest, right? Because I, I, that's my pet peeve. Is like even even people in AA these days aren't being that honest. So I was thinking of killing myself over Max leaving me, and yeah. Dick Groot, a friend of mine, called me and and he he said he said he was thinking of killing himself, and I was <laughs> like, oh, and, and I, it was the weirdest thing, and I I said. I said, dude, you have a you have a little kid. You can't do that. And he goes, you have a kid. And I was like, oh yeah, me, yeah. <laughs> so I other people, yep. I immediately went into the reasons why he shouldn't, and most of the reasons why he shouldn't, I had also. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Just his name would make me happy enough to stop thinking about it. That's a great name. <laughs> He's got a great name, but it was. Then he probably just, knew he probably knew exactly what he was doing, man. He was probably just trying to get you. No, we we are both at that five year point. That is a true thing. I remember it really being a true thing that for I was like four and a half years sober. 
That was the hardest time because you really think you're just cruising along. It's just going to cruise along forever and you're just going to walk through the raindrops and everything's going to come your way. You know, as a great speech about it is Bob from Devo. Like, you know, you get sober and everything goes right. And after about a year or two, it's just like everything's good and everything's turning around and you have all this positivity and you think that's just going to happen forever. And then it stops or something bad happens or, or you get a divorce or somebody dies or, or you lose your career or something. And that's when it's somewhere life happens somewhere around the four year, five year, six year, seven year point. Life has to happen at least once every seven years, right? Where something dramatic happens um, and how you deal with it, how you face it. If you've been in this pink cloud kind of, Oh, you work the steps and you get all, all what you want. Everything goes right for you. If you're in that mindset, which I was for years from about a year and a half till four and a half, uh, it was shocking to me. I was like, wait a minute. Everything's supposed to be go good for me. I'm Bobby Forrest. Remember? <laughs> I got sober. <laughs> I got sober. I mean, this is not supposed to be happening. People aren't supposed to be cheating on me. <laughs> yeah, I know. Life should People, be good. Wait a minute. I'm the guy everybody looks up to and likes. Come on. This shouldn't be happening to me. What the fuck is going on? Right? <laughs> and that, yep. and and he was going through that same thing. And then you're just like, fuck, you're so disillusioned by AA. You're kind of embarrassed that you thought you knew everything. And there was just so many emotions w when I was, I'll tell you when it was. It was September uh, 11th, uh, September 10th, uh, 2001. So I got sober in March of 96. So 97, 98, 99, 2000, 2001. Yeah, I was five years and six months sober. Wow. And that day, I wanted to kill myself. Out of nowhere, Chuck. Out of fucking nowhere. Yeah, Just no, because, be, because I, was, I was living in some fantasy of who I was. Right, but doesn't everybody hit a bottom in sobriety? But isn't it's a five year point is what most people talk about, right? I hadn't, I hadn't, I hadn't heard that. That's funny. I hadn't heard yeah. that, but I know that everybody, everybody Mike, has it. It's at the five. Year I've heard point. something like that. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, you got to, you know, ten years. When you get ten years, it's like it's a good start, you know, because <laughs> <laughs> it's going to take a lot more than ten years to, you know. But well, yeah, it's the whole day by it, day, the whole life thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think Chuck hit on something with, you know, it is a lot of the the drugs and the and the alcohol has changed our perception of everything so dramatically that when we get sober things get so real. You know that if you don't deal with them through the steps um, you know, and the group then you can be in danger. Yes. Absolutely. Because there, there is a people hit bottoms in sobriety. And it is one of those things where it's like, fuck it, I might as well be loaded because we, yeah. we're, you know, we're maladjusted to begin I've with. I've never Mal thought, I've really adjusted. never, I've Love really it. never, I've really, I swear to God, I never think about using, I do think about killing myself. I do feel, think about running away. I don't know what it is. So, wait, don't, don't you hear that a lot? Like uh, the, whatever, the obsession has been lifted. I've had that. I really have. If 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 I I I've been through hell the last like sixty five days, like literally fucking hell, hell on earth, and I've never thought of using. I truly have not. 
And I really haven't yeah. thought of killing myself. I've just really thought like how crazy and unfair the whole thing is. It's made me <laughs> question. It's made me question our bureaucratic nonsense. That's Suicidal sure. thoughts could, can actually be associated with um, constructive. They can be constructive. Yeah. I've been writing a song. Mike, I'm going to play it for you. All right. So we're going to sign long, off after this. Long, All right. Sunday. You got that? Everybody, Bobby's going to sing a song. We're going to sing a long, long fest. It's a long, long time now, baby. It's been a long, long ride. You and me run around Hollywood. You and me. You can't hear it? No. The guitar is not You know what? Coming. Here, take your headphones off and we'll sign off and just set up the headphones on the table right in front of your Okay. And then you can do it. Okay, let's see if it works. It's been a long, long time. It's a little better. Yeah. A little. It's been a long, long time. Uh, you know what? I think you got your settings on your thing. Yeah. You and me, body no, uh, put your headphones. Head put your headphones. <laughs> no, put your headphones. What? Uh, so uh, it didn't really work. It didn't help. Okay. I what you got is a, the compressor thing is on. All right. Well, it's a long, long. It's a long, long. Time Hit the guitar. Now, hey, try it again. That's just. Yeah, I will forget. One. Ah, well, it's been a long, long time now, baby. It's been a long, long ride. You and me run around Hollywood. You and me, Bonnie and Clyde. It's been a long, long time now, baby. It's been a long, long time. Can you hear that? Yeah, the guitar is cuts out. Inspired by Sinead. All right, good night, everybody. Ohana Fest, Metallica, Boy With You. There's all kinds yeah, of concerts coming up. Go see right? Trombone Shorty. Out uh, uh, Long Beach. Staples. Long Beach. Me and John. Too bad. Oh, no, God. It's the Greek. Wiley's oh, okay. been texting me. All right, I got to jam you.